Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. For most people, when they hear that, that specific portion that says, the falling away, they think, wow, what is that going to look like where brothers and sisters in Christ are no longer following Christ in the end times? And then for others, when they see that part in 2 Thessalonians 3 that says falling away, they see it as speaking of the rapture. So with me to discuss whether or not this is a falling away or a falling up to the rapture is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Well, praise the Lord, Chad. This is this will be a heavy program. In fact, stay tuned because uh, uh, pre-trains we had offered for several years, $10,000 to anybody that could produce one clear verse that just give us one verse that teaches the opposite of what the early church taught for centuries, right? Uh, one clear verse that teaches that the church will be raptured. Just give us one at least. Just give us one uh, before the tribulation takes place, before the Antichrist rises, that the rapture will take place. We'll give you 10000 bucks. Well, I said that over and over again from the pulpit. And uh, very few people, just a, two or three people tried to claim it. And a couple of them, one guy named Rex comes up and he goes, and he gives me a verse. I go, this doesn't work because of this and that. That's not, he goes, yeah, I know. I'm post-trib too. I just was trying to get the $10,000. I thought, is he playing? I hope he was playing, you know. But it's interesting. Uh, we're going to find out. Somebody who, by using that verse, that actually talks about the falling away, interesting people that tried, that, that mentioned, well, maybe we could try to get the 10000 if we use this verse in reference to our offer. And I think it's going to be interesting where this goes. And Chad's going to unveil this. Who no, it is? No, I, I think or it's was. really important because when it comes to this subject, one thing that we've brought up a lot as a ministry, specifically in regards to the video that was done here a number of years ago titled Left Behind or Led Astray, which examines the origins of the pre-tribulation rapture theory. With that video, there was a lot of backlash that came out, but one of the things that was mentioned is we actually went out, and this is part of our trailer you can find on our Good Fight Ministries YouTube channel, but part of the trailer is we went to a local Christian event, put up a sign, $10,000 for Bible quizzes, we'd ask a couple of Bible questions, and then we'd give some money for uh, for right answers and so forth. But then when we get to that question, can you give us one clear verse? And we'd ask people, what do you believe about the rapture? And they would say, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Can you give us one clear verse that places the rapture before the last seven years or the 70th week of Daniel? Can you give us one clear verse that states that? 
And uh, that was just a lot of failures. No one was able to do that. And so a lot, we, of, him and Han. A lot of him and Han. And so we actually found out that there was an attempt, not simply by someone out at a Christian event, but by one of the foremost scholars for the pre-trip camp, none other than Dr. Thomas Ice. In this clip, you're going to hear with Tom McMahon from the Berean Call. Now, Tommy, we don't pay our guests, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to make a little money here. The trailer that we're talking about that is uh, left behind or led astray issues a uh, a claim. Well, it makes an offer. It says it will give $10,000 to anyone who can come up with the verse that establishes the pre-tribulation rapture. Now, Tommy, is that a trick offer or are you about to cash it in? Well, I think I can come up with a a single verse. I believe 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, is just that verse. And he said in verse 3, let no one in any way deceive you, for it, referring back to the day of the Lord, will not come unless the, my uh, New American Standard says apostasy, the King James says falling away, comes first. And the Greek word there is apostasia. And over a dozen translations, all the way back to Jerome in, in 399 with the Latin Vulgate, translate that word that is translated apostasy or falling away as departure. And when you look at the extra-biblical Greek meaning of this word, the second word listed in Liddell and Scott, which is the mother of all Greek lexicons or dictionaries, uh, lists the word disappearance. And so the question is, is he referring to a physical departure, which if he were, then he's referring to the rapture, and that would be saying, in other words, you know you're not in the tribulation because the, the disappearance has not occurred. So, Joe, he is saying right there, not Second Thessalonians you know, 1 and 2, where it talks about our gathering together, episode to him, but he's saying the place where we're actually seeing the rapture is that falling away text. And now, this is supposed to be the one verse that he would use to prove this point, none other than Dr. Tommy I. So what do you think about there's, his challenge there? There's a there? ton of really fascinating, very rich ironies going on here. First of all, that he would take a verse that has universally been understood by the church for the several cent, for until the pre-tribs came around, to be speaking of a rebellion or an apostasia, in fact, our very English word apostasy, everybody understands what apostasy means, means falling away, is derived from the word apostasia, the, the Greek noun. Uh, and nouns are different. You can't go to the, a verb and say a fist to me or say, oh, look at the verb here. This could mean this. No, you, nouns and verbs were quite different in, uh, in Greek. And when you look at the Greek noun apostasia, it was never used of a physical, he, he mentioned that it, it, the question is, is can it refer to like a physical or a spatial departure? It was never used that way in the... In the uh, in the early church period, it wasn't used that way for a few hundred years before Christ or a few hundred years after Christ throughout the uh, period of also the Koine Greek, which is what, what the Bible is written in. So it's quite, it's really rich in a lot of levels. It's rich that they take the term that means falling away and warns about this coming falling away and turn it into a going up in a rapture. And the idea that he would use the, the meaning disappearance, even it's never used of a physical disappearance. It's used of a, a spiritual a revolt or rebellion against God and his word and biblical truth. It's used of, uh, also used at times of rebellion, political rebellion, but it's not of a, used of physical spatial departure. And it's rich on that level too. It's also rich because the Second Thessalonians 2 warns that we're not to 
consider concerning Christ coming and our being gathered together to him, that we're not to be deceived to think that that day would happen before the falling away in the Antichrist. So it actually inverts the very thing that Paul's warned about. And they, and they and by him twisting the meaning of that word, he thereby twists the text. And then he has people thinking, oh, guess what? We don't have to be concerned about the very things that Paul says we're going to face because, after all, uh, the disappearance or, the you know, we'll, we'll be raptured first. And In fact, check out what he says right here. This is in an article, The, the Origin of the Pre-Trib Rapture, Thomas Ike's Biblical Perspective, is March, April, 1989. Ice admits that elsewhere... Uh, that pre-trips do not have, quote, a, listen to this, a, a single, quote, proof text for the time of the rapture. So he's admitting back then that him and his fellow pre-tribbers, they don't have a, a, a proof text for the time of the rapture. But all of a sudden, guess what? You look hard enough, you can find anything uh, that if you want to, if you want to, you know, make a, a departure. By the way, when the Bible speaks of departure, we'll get into this later. Well, what if it could be translated departure? Well, the Bible uses the word departure over and over again for falling away. <laughs> Paul says, 1 Timothy 4.1, the English Standard Some Version. will depart. Yeah, last, the Holy Spirit speaks explicitly that in the last days, some will depart from the faith. It's talking about apostasy. And that's not even the Greek word apostasia there, right? That's the verb. So uh, it's interesting, though, uh, to get 10,000 bucks, and I think this is interesting, he says, okay, and this is in another article called The Rapture in 2 Thessalonians 2.3, he says, I believe that there is a strong possibility, possibility, <laughs> that 2 Thessalonians 2.3 is speaking of the rapture. You don't get $10,000 because of what you believe is a, a, a strong possibility. It's possible. Okay. So, but at, at the same time, when we look at it closer, it's not possible when you look at how those words were understood uh, when the scripture was written and you understand the context of the passage. In fact, when I was, uh, when we went to the debate with uh, Doug Stoffer and I debated Dr. Uh, Doug Stoffer there in Colorado at a prophecy conference and you know, all kinds of speakers were speaking all weekend in the prophecy conference climax with our debate. And when I debated him, uh, just prior to the debate, I ran into uh, uh, Tommy Ice. And I asked him, and he's considered by many, since John Walvert had died, who had been the president of Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, he was Tim LaHaye's right-hand scholar. I mean, he edited Tim LaHaye's Prophecy Study Bible, Tim LaHaye's The Left Behind author, and so forth. And I, I talked to him, I, I, I just challenged him. Go, give me a reference, because he likes to use 2 Thessalonians 2.3, as we've seen. I go, give me a, a, a reference uh, in, in church history with the patristics, the early church fathers, Koine Greek, where Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 is used of, where the word apostasia, not in the church fathers, I just said, show me where the word apostasia means a physical spatial departure anywhere. And he couldn't give me any 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 one verse. He just referenced Wayne House's book, uh, Set the Trumpet to Thy Mouth, I think it's something like that. And he referenced that book. And in that book, he's not able to give a patristic, uh, not able to quote an example I mean, you can quote different things. People quote like, oh, look at the Assumption of Mary, you know? It talks about her apostasy, and it uses that of her being a seeming to heaven. Yeah, like 500 years after this, the word gay has changed just within the last 30, 40 years, yeah. okay? It has total different meaning. It, had, it didn't yeah, have that meaning. go to watch meaning. the Flintstones, it yeah. <laughs> yeah, it didn't have that meaning in Koine Greek, folks. And uh, you can so it's, it's it's really sad when you see it because of what's happening here, but it gets richer. This whole thing is rich. Not only the context and everything I'm mentioning here, uh, because... The Brian Call is is you know uh, was Dave Hunt's program. T. McMahon was uh, hit the host, and Take Man helped co-author some of Dave's stuff and so forth. And and I had written some articles uh, for Christian Information Bureau, which is what it was called before it was called Brian Call for Dave Hunt and so forth. I love Dave, love Tom to this day. Uh, disagree with them on this subject. It's an in-house debate, uh, and I've shown grace to them, but at the same time, uh, 
I've got to speak the truth. So when they have this show and they're trying to collect this, it's very interesting to me. You have Dave Hunt, who's, you know, he had passed by that time, Thomas Ice and Tom McMahon. And it's interesting, their history with the word apostasia, which we understand and exegetes have understood for the last 2,000 years, it means falling away, rebellion, and so forth. Well, guess what? It's kind of interesting when you look at how they've used that terminology themselves. Uh, in a 2012 conference that Thomas Ice held on the apostasy, okay? And he had different vis- different people there teaching on the apostasy. Uh, they, they're addressing the apostasy of the church. In fact, it's interesting that Thomas Ice's own paper for the conference is titled this, What Does the New Testament Teach About End-Time Apostasy? That was his paper. And now he's talking about the end time falling away, not the rapture there, obviously. And the whole thing is about the falling away. He's using the word apostasy, which comes from the word apostasia. And he even breaks down the meaning of the word at the conference. He says, the English word apostasy is translated as a transliteration of the Greek noun apostasia. And it's made up of two smaller Greek words, which are apo and isteme. Or isteme. Apo means from, a, uh, uh, from or away from, while isteme means to stand. Thus, taken together, the compound word has the idea to stand away from, to depart from, or departure. The verbal form, aphisteme, uh, is used in 1 Timothy 4.1 and means, quote, to cause someone to move from a reference point, go away, withdraw. But the Spirit explicitly says that later times some will fall away from the faith, end quote. Well, he's using it of people falling away. And that's the proper way it ought to be used. And he, the, the, the verb can be used in different ways, but he uses the verb as uh, the verb form there as he talks about, breaks down the noun form. Uh, so it's interesting. He goes on to state, quote, apostasy as used in this article means to depart from the faith of biblical Christianity. In other words, do, you know, uh, do not longer, uh, to no longer believe what the Bible teaches about anything. Well, no, it doesn't mean about anything. You can believe that, Jesus died for your sins, but then believe he's not God, and that would be apostasy too. But he's close, okay? So, but but guess what? He wants it also when he wants to, you know, come up with a verse to get 10,000 bucks. Well, uh, right here, uh, you know, it, it means, you know, the strong possibility. <laughs> it means uh, the rapture, you know, to disappear physically and go to heaven. You're reading a lot into the text. That's called eisegesis, not eisegesis. Exegesis It's called... Uh, Exegesis, when you read in the text, not exegesis. So it's interesting when we look at this because it gets even richer, okay? It gets even richer because at that conference, you had other people teaching like Mike Gendron, and his topic was uh, based on his first slide, Roman Catholicism's drift into apostasy, okay? And we read in his third slide, quote, apostasy in the church. Apostasy comes from Greek words meaning to stand away from. It occurs when there is a departure from previous known truth. Uh, it's interesting, and of course, they're referencing, uh, you know, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Now, check this out. It gets even crazier. It, it, this is, I'm, I'm building up to some heavy stuff, guys, is when you look at this, it's so well established that apostasia means falling away or uh, to, to turn away from the Lord. But I states that it means, quote, listen to this, to depart from the faith of biblical Christianity. But we read in the Tim LaHaye Prophecy Study Bible, which he edits, listen to what he says. No one knows why the translators of the King James, well, this is what the study Bible says, that he edits. No one knows why the translators of the King James Version rendered it fallen away in 2 Thessalonians 2.3. Nobody knows why the King James translators translated it fallen away 
when he himself has established that this Greek word means to fall away? So it's embarrassing when you look at the study Bible. That's page 14, 1416, uh, the 2001 edition of the Tim LaHaye Study Bible. But it's interesting. So they're saying that 2 Thessalonians 2.3, where the King James says, you know, and they're, I believe they're using the King James Bible, and they're saying, we don't know why, you know, the King James uses fallen away there for the apostasy, because they don't want it to mean that, right? Uh, but it's interesting. This is what's crazy. In the same study Bible, which I bought and I was looking through, 11 pages later of the Tim LaHaye study Bible, right after they make that point, uh, on 2 Thessalonians, they use 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, apostasia, to support the claim that Paul warns about coming falling away. I mean, it's just crazy. And notice what they say, quote, Christ's warning of false signs and wonders movement in the last days was repeated by the Apostle Paul using similar language. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of Christ, will not come except there come a fallen away apostasy comes first, end quote. I mean, if this was a court of law, I mean, they'd have just egg all their face, you know. They might owe me $10,000. I'd never, I'd never do that to them. But anyway, isn't that crazy? It, I don't know why they translated it falling away. 11 pages later, they quote it and say, this is what Paul said would go in the last days in reference to a falling away. This is just crazy to me, bro. So uh, it's interesting. Uh, he goes on to say, Paul explained the nature of this apostasy to Timothy as he compared the apostate church uh, to the, that of Janice and Jambres. Well, and this is, uh, and it references 2 Timothy 3, 8, 1 and 8. Tim LaHaye Prophecy Study Bible, uh, 2001 edition, 1,427. So I counted right, yeah, that's about 11 pages later. And it's interesting here when, when you check this out because uh, when, when you look at what they're doing here, guess who wrote this article for the Tim LaHaye Study Bible? Dave Hunt. Mm. Dave Hunt, that's his ministry. And they're, they're sitting there saying, you know, it means it means rapture. And I'm like, wait a minute, man. This is Dave Hunt writing this article that Tim LaHaye puts in here 11 pages after they say, we don't understand why the King James translation is doing. And Dave Hunt's doing just that way, using the King James translation. It gets even more and more bizarre because, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's different, different. Uh, you know, I'll just say this. And we'll, we'll get into some other stuff in a minute, Chad. But uh, just the Darby study, study Bible. John Darby is known as the one by a lot of pre-tribbers like to think it was Darby that came up with the pre-trib rapture. We, we point out that he had a lot to do with it. But we point out that he had some help, which was pretty scary. When you watch our video, the left behind led astray. We actually go to England and Scotland and Ireland. And we, go and we actually go there. We interview people and so forth. And it's quite crazy. We, we travel through the United States. And it's, you got to check it out. If you haven't seen left behind led astray, you got to get it. So anyway, uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, uh, Darby's translation translates it, apostasy, it translates it just simply apostasy. Everybody understood what that was a reference to. So I think it's just amazing that you have three, you have Tom McMahon and you have uh, Tommy Ice both talking without Dave Hunt being there at the time saying, yeah, we can get it, you know, and we based on this verse, it's like, wait a minute, by the way, Tom McMahon and Tommy, there's an article called Apostasy or Revival or Apostasy on their website. You can go check it out to this day. Just try to type in Brian Call, Revival or Apostasy, and guess what you'll read? This is an article that's on their site. And you're going to use 2 Thessalonians 2.3 to say apostasy really means the rapture, yet look at what they say on the site about 2 Thessalonians 2.3. Uh, revival or apostasy. False signs and wonders will be an integral part of the apostasy. The departure from the truth will be uh, spearheaded by apparent miracle workers, and the delusion will be made possible by prevailing emphasis upon experience over doctrine. We say amen. You're right on that. 
Uh, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, Second Timothy 4.3. And by the way, guess who's put up here as a co-author? You, you'll see this article, Revival or Posse. You'll see Dave Hunt by Dave Hunt and Tom McMahon, who's using this verse for the rapture now, right? And by the way, this, this article is still up there, right? Paul, he says, Paul issued a similar warning, quote, let no man deceive you by any means. He explains that the spiritual deception uh, to which Christ referred will infect the professing church. That is evident from his words falling away. In 2 Thessalonians 2, he's referencing. That's the word apostasy being translated fallen away. The word translated fallen away or apostasy, NASB. For that day, and he, write, he adds of the Lord, shall not come except there come a fallen away first. And the man of sin, beginning of the Antichrist, he puts in brackets, be revealed, the son of perdition. So guess what? 2 Thessalonians 2 does teach concerning Christ coming out and being gathered together to him. That's the rapture, the gathering to him. That day, right, to Christ will not come until what? There's a fallen away, apostasy of first, and the man of sin is revealed. That's what the early church believed. That's what we believe. That's what the church believed for 2,000 years. So I guess I'll end this section of the question is in 2015, about 18 years after that article was written, listen to what Tom McMahon writes, okay? And that's, it's in a, a for, uh, an afterword from Tom McMahon. If you continue, go to that article and you continue reading the article uh, and you read beyond the one footnote it gives, you'll read, quote, in the 18 years, Tom writes, since Dave wrote the above article, the apostasy has intensified in ways that are mind-numbing. I write this from the perspective of one who worked with Dave for more than three decades and learned from him how to discern trends that were ta are taking hold of the church, drawing both professing and even true Christians away from the word of God. So all those years later, he's saying, man, this is still happening. And it, it still used the word apostasy for the fallen away. You can't have your cake and eat it too, okay? We agree, man, praise God. We warn about the apostasy all the time. And for the most part, it's a, a really good article. The sad thing is, is taking something that you know or you've actually used to reference the apostasy, you still do, and say, oh, but we're going to use it this way now so we can get your $10,000. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's really sad when you see all this. And and the truth is, is listening to the one of the top scholars, right, when it comes to the pre-trib rapture theory, and to see that this is his attempt of finding a verse that teaches the pre-trib rapture Which doctrine. Which is telling, right? Can't find anything, but hey, we'll lose this. That's exactly right. And when I heard this, and I was trying to put myself in a perspective of someone who was believing the pre-trib rapture, and I remember when I was uh, an atheist and I watched the movie Expelled and I watched Richard Dawkins go up there and when he was trying to come up with a theory for how everything started and how we got here, his idea was, well, maybe some aliens dropped off some Darwinian evolution that eventually came out. And I thought to myself, as an atheist at the time, uh-oh, because if I'm going to appeal to authority and this is the best my authority has, I have nothing to stand on. And I can't keep appealing to him because that was the dumbest answer I ever heard. Now, I'm not saying that Thomas Ice is not a brother or anything like that and comparative in that way, but comparative that if I was somebody who believed a pre-trib rapture doctrine and someone tried to come up with the one text that could prove the pre-trib rapture theory and he comes up with this, I would feel like I was given some snake oil. And so that would feel absolutely horrendous listening to that answer. So I, I got to ask because I know when I first started reading and studying this subject, 2 Thessalonians was a text that I would say so clearly parallels 
what Jesus taught at the Olivet Discourse That's over right. and over, First Thessalonians as well, over and over again, you see the parallels, the warnings are very similar. It's very, very interesting when those texts are looked at together. And so, Joe, the overall context of Second Thessalonians, why do you believe that what he is trying to teach there is teaching almost directly, or I would say actually teaching directly the opposite of what he's trying to peddle there? Yeah, no, it's important because Paul says, and I'll, I'll quote him, just listen carefully to what he says uh, in the context. I mean, he warns, he says, now we request you, brethren, context, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. Okay, now think about this. Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talked about how, and we, the Bible definitely clearly teaches that there's a rapture. We use the word rapture. Some say, well, the Greek word, word rapture or the, or the Latin word rapture isn't used. In, well, it is in the Vulgate. We don't use the Vulgate, but we use the, the Greek New Testament. And rapture comes uh, from a word that means to be caught up. Uh, but the word harpazo, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, is used of us, the dead in Christ rise first. Now we who are alive and remain will be caught up, harpazo, to meet them in the air. So we definitely believe in a catching up, if you will, or the harpazo or the, the rapture. We just don't believe it's before the tribulation period. And that's the dangerous. People aren't going to be ready to face Antichrist, tribulation, all the things that Jesus warned about. So the context is quite amazing because uh, Tony and I, I said Tony, Tony, I think it was like 100 parallels, bro, between, I put more parallels by far. I think some people have got 15 or whatever. I put about 100 parallels between Jesus teaching all of a discourse and First and Second Thessalonians. And how Paul is actually using the Olivet Discourse to, uh, by the Holy Spirit uh, to uh, coming like a thief in the night. I, we show all these parallels. In fact, I was supposed to use that in the debate, right? Poor Tony, man. I had him doing all these slides, and we used a lot of stuff, but we didn't even get into that. And it would have been mind-blowing. But there's, it's so obvious that Paul is going off what Jesus taught, where he said, but he said immediately after the tribulation of those days, after the tribulation, not before the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, will not give us light, the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and there will be the sound of a great trumpet, and and he'll send out his angels, and they'll gather his elect from the four winds of heaven, right? And it says in Mark, Jesus says, from the farthest ends of uh, the earth and from the farthest ends of heaven. So we're not we're not, not talking about, you know, Israel being regathered. We're talking about the saints being gathered from the farthest ends of heaven, the farthest ends of the earth. Paul said the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive be in the air. So you got everybody being gathered. And the Greek word Jesus used of that was episunagoge. Now, episunagoge is the word that he uses for that, 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 that rapture. In fact, Tim LaHaye, I pointed this out in our debate. Tim LaHaye says that this is, this is, this, he says it's the rapture. He goes, it's just the, another rapture later. You know, he admits that that's her. But there's no rapture before he's able to establish. Well, guess what Paul says? Concerning Christ's coming and our being gathered, he uses that word, episunagoge, to him. Concerning that, he says in the context there, concerning Christ's coming and our being gathered together, that the rapture, he says, let no one deceive you by any means. He's talking about timing now. You know, it says, don't be deceived by a spirit or, or word is from us and letter and so forth. Prophecy would be word from us possibly or a spirit of demon. To think that that day is at hand or has come to be at hand. Uh, most King James translates at hand like any moment. A lot of pre-trips, oh, the rapture can happen any moment. King James says, don't, don't be deceived to think that that day is at hand any moment or has come to be at hand. It'd be translated that way as well. Uh, either way, he says, don't be deceived to think that Christ's coming to gather us together. He says, won't happen, he says, until two events. But that day shall not take place until what? The day of the day of Christ will not take place until what happens? The falling away. The apostasia comes. And the Antichrist first, is revealed. And the Antichrist is revealed. In other words, concerning Christ's coming, are being gathered together to him 
Don't be deceived into thinking that that will happen first. Because what has to happen first, he says, is two events. Falling away, apostasy, and the coming of the Antichrist. Now, this is heavy because it's so clear. That's why this whole thing is so ironic. Because they actually invert something and make Paul teach the opposite of what he's teaching here. Now, it's crazy because if I tell, say, you and Polly and my other children and all the grandchildren, they're saying, hey, Pop-Pop. The little grandkids say, hey, Pop-Pop, is Christmas tomorrow? And I say, no, Christmas won't happen until Thanksgiving comes first. That's a holiday that comes first. Oh, can't we gather together and have Christmas tomorrow? Uh, well, that's actually Thanksgiving. That comes first then. And I say, but don't let anyone deceive you. Christmas won't happen until Christmas happens first. That would not make any sense. It'd be confusing. So they, the pre traders want us to think it believes concerning Christ's coming or the way they've seen the, uh, the way that you would have to believe it if you take verse one for, as face value. Concerning Christ's coming or having gathered together to him, right? That won't happen until the rapture happens first. Wait, being gathered together to him is a rapture. So it makes no sense, but it makes perfect sense that apostasia and the Antichrist would come first because that's the exact order Jesus gave, by the way, another parallel with Matthew 24, just before he said immediately after the tribulation, that's when we got gathered up to him. He said that the abomination desolation, there'd be a falling away, he says, in verses uh, 9 through 14. And there will be a, there'll be a falling away and the abomination of desolation, verse 15. And then you have the second coming. Let the reader understand. Again, let the reader understand, right? <laughs> a little bit more in context, Chad. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, mm-hmm. the chapter right before that, verses 6 through 10. This is just, as, why don't we just accept the clear teaching of Scripture? If you're pre-trib, we love you, man. You're our brother, sister in Christ. If you're trusting Jesus and follow him, we love you so much. But why look for, why reach and, and look, and Thomas Ice, the top pre-trib scholar for so many years, takes a word that he acknowledges or his study Bible, Tim Lahey, acknowledges the opposite, and then just give it a different meaning than it's had in the, in the Koine Greek in the, in, the, in the early church period. And I'm talking about the first few centuries of church history why give it a meaning other than what it typically has, what it what not typically has, that it does have? Uh, when, why not go with the clear teaching of Scripture? Listen to what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 and following. Paul says, For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. God's wrath can be poured out upon the wicked and to give relief to you who are afflicted. Because we, the, the church is afflicted by the non-believing world, the, the secular world, and will definitely be afflicted by the Antichrist. And to us as well, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven, we will get rest. He says this, and to give relief or rest to you who are afflicted and to us as well. And he tells us when. He says when, when, when the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed, revealed with his mighty angels, not in a preacher rapture. He says in flaming fire, in flaming fire dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. That's Armageddon, folks. That's the end, end of the age. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all those who have believed for our testimony to you was believed. I mean, it's really clear right there that he, the day he comes to be glorified in his saints, the day that we get our rest is not seven years before uh, the second coming is not before the tribulation, but he says, rest with us. You'll get relief from the persecution when he comes with his mighty angels and flaming fire to take vengeance on those who go on the earth. That's the second coming. Everybody knows that. Okay, everybody knows that's the second coming. That's when the church gets relief, not seven years earlier. So why do we not take the clear teachings of Scripture and how the early church understood the teachings of Scripture regarding Christ's coming and 
and, and, and say, Lord, you know what? I'm going to probably have to go through some really hard times, definitely hard times. Jesus said in the world, you will have tribulation, but be, be, be of good cheer or take courage because I've overcome the world. So we will have tribulation no matter what, but the Bible warns of this coming great tribulation. And if the Lord can get us through tribulation and, and he tells us he'll get us through it, don't look for doctrines that will make you feel better, man. Don't look for doctrines that you want to be true. Look and say, Lord, you know best. Paul prayed three times that the Lord would take a thorn from him, the thorn of the flesh, right? Three times. Now, Paul, or you know, Chad, Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten innumerable times. He was left for dead, uh, you know, stoned almost to death, left for dead, uh, whipped, flogged, all kinds of horrific things. So when Paul's actually crying out that thorn be taken away from him, it's got to be really, really severe. Yeah. And the Lord said to Paul, he, he, he said he wasn't going to take it away at that time. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. And it was more than sufficient for Paul. And you have to believe that God's grace will be sufficient to get us through anything that we face. So I think this is very, very important that when we understand the context, the context is clear. By the way, one more quick reference. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5, when Paul says uh, clearly that we caught up to meet him in the air, the rapture, Paul clearly says of the days and times and seasons, brother, you have no need that I write to you. For that, that will not, and he goes on to talk about I'm not, you have no need that I write to you because you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. That's what Jesus said. And Jesus said that Matthew 24 about his coming immediately after the tribulation. He said, you know, how did we know that? Well, guess what? Jesus talked about it. Uh, it'll come like a thief in the night. But we're not in darkness that that day should overtake us like a thief. I mean, it doesn't come like an unexpected thief to us because we have the signs of the times. We know what the scriptures say is going to happen. Paul lays it out. Posse. Antichrist first. And then he says, when he comes like a thief at night, the world will be saved, peace and safety, and then sudden destruction will come upon them as real upon women with child, that, and they shall not escape. But we're not in darkness that day, that day should overtake us as a thief. Why? What day? The day when he comes to destroy them. It's very clear. Just think about what's being said there. The very day he comes to destroy the wicked, we're saying peace and safety, but brings destruction upon them, doesn't overtake us like a thief because we're ready. But that's not a preacher of rapture when he comes to bring destruction. It's with his, it's with his mighty angels in flaming fire. So you have 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, Chad. You have 2 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 1, which we referenced, that we get our re relief when he comes to the mighty angels in flaming fire. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And if you haven't seen it before, hopefully you're seeing it clear as day right now, that it happens after that, that the Antichrist, or the fallen away, the apostasy and the Antichrist come first. No, and this is the one thing that when I look at this subject as a whole, such a clear teaching in 2 Thessalonians one and two together that you're putting forth there. And when you see that clear teaching, when the relief comes, it tells us what it looks like. Why does it parallel exactly what Jesus said would happen? Absolutely. And then just in case you missed it, here is just plain as day. There are going to be these two events, the Antichrist revealed, the falling away so clearly. And sadly enough, for those who I do love that believe the pre-trib rapture, so often it's shadow games and here let's have these certain places where this is only for this person and this is only you got to rightly divide which whatever that means from them is different than what Paul's meaning was in that statement but you got to rightly divide where the elect being raptured here are different at the resurrection there second or I'm sorry in Matthew 24 29 through 31 that he's gathering the elect Oh, these are just the Jews he's gathering here. But then we look at the literature here and it looks exactly the same of what's going on. And so you just see over and over again this attempt to push something into the text that is simply not there. And when you just read the text for what it says, 
just having that clear understanding of Scripture and never having to maneuver it and twist it about, or even when you debated Dr. Doug Stoffer reading someone else's mail that's yeah. not for you, I mean, that kind of idea and principle that happens to Scripture, that's where we go, this is dangerous now. Yeah. Because you Absolutely. are setting people up for a great falling away, should that's we say? Right. I mean, this is really important. So when we look at also the usage of the term apostasia, because we've looked at, hey, this is what Thomas I said. We've looked at the context of this verse. But how about just the term? Because that's a principle of hermeneutics is to look at certain terminology and see how was it used by that right there in the context? How is it used in that book? How is it used by that author? How is it used in light of the New Testament? How is it used in light of all of Scripture and other liter- uh, you know, uh, literary devices and so forth? But we look at it. So when we see the word apostasia, Joe, specifically in other parts of the New Testament, what do we find? Are we finding just, you know, in apostasy is used and it's always talking about a rapture? I mean, what are we really finding when we see this in the no, text? That's a great question because it's only used one other time, the Greek noun apostasia in the entire New Testament. It's used in twice. First, it's used in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. It's only used one other time, and that's in uh, Acts chapter 21, verse 21. And it's interesting because Paul is being accused of teaching people to, you know, abandon the teachings of Moses, you know. And I'm going to read the verse, Chad, and you tell me what English word you think might be translated apostasia here. We will not hear the word rapture. Now we hear the word physical spatial disappearance, those words, anything like that. Listen to this. And they have told about you, and you are teaching, now Paul's been accused, and you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. Now that word apostasy is actually, that's the only other time it's found in there. What do you think is translated there, bro? Forsake. Forsake, right? Uh, because that's how the word was understood. It was used to forsake, to rebel, to fall away. And Paul was being accused of teaching them to fall away or to forsake Moses. Uh, so this is this to me is amazing. You mean that's they weren't a, getting raptured from Moses there? No, and, and he wasn't okay. teaching. That's a good point because he, he also wasn't being accused of teaching uh, that Moses just was going to just disappear, you know, <laughs> disappearing Moses, you know. Uh, and that he was to make him disappear. So it's just, it, it, it's that's the New Testament usage is only two times, but uh, that's why uniformly Greek scholars from the past have understood it to mean apostasia, not only just because the New Testament usage, but Koine Greek, Septuagint, elsewhere. So if we see that, and we see that there's a number also of Bible translations, you know, there's a the myriad of Bible translations. Some, I think, are just written ultimately to make some money uh, because they don't want to pay the copyright uh, to use them for their commentaries. But nonetheless, when we see this, Joe, and you have a number of Bible commentaries, how are the Bible commentaries, when they come together and they put together, you know, the Lachman Foundation comes together, whoever it may be, they say, we're going to put together a Bible translation. How are they translating this word apostasia? Yeah, I'm looking for a, 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 one of the translations that's off the wall, which we'll get into a little bit later. But uh, the, 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 the major Bible translations, there's only one. I've seen, I've looked at several translations of this verse. And there's no major, you know, majorly accepted Bible translation that has anything like, you know, non-translated pre-trib rapture, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, and we've already seen that even if you translate it departure, how did they understand departure? You know, they understood it as a departure from the faith, you know. Uh, in fact, we'll look at the history of when it was first, you know, began to be uh, understood differently or by pre-tribers wanted it to be understood differently. Uh, but... The translations, let me read a few translations. The, new, uh, the King James Version. 
For that day will not come except there come a fallen away first. Apostasy of fallen away. New King James Version. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day, meaning Christ coming to gather us together, which is the rapture, will not come unless the fallen away, it's translated fallen away, come first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Uh, the NASB, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. NIV, uh, for that day, okay, it says it won't come until the uh, rebellion occurs first. The NLT, for that day, will not come until there is a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. I'm taking the most famous versions, right? King James and others. ESV, English Standard Version. The day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. The man of lawlessness is revealed. The Brian Study Bible. Let no one deceive you in any way, for it will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness Center destruction is revealed. Most translations translate it rebel, rebellion now. Uh, the NASB transliterates it apostasia, a King James, and some other translations translate it fallen away. So uh, there's only one translation that I've ever seen. It's by Kenneth Wiest, a diehard pre-triver who smuggled his own translation into it. And uh, he's, I think he has a departure or something like that. I'll, I have that later in, my, in here, but then he says, he puts in brackets, and the church has taken heaven. He adds that into his text in brackets as though this is what this means. That's not a translation. That's a commentary. Yeah, you're not to <laughs> add or take away to the scripture, right? Plagues can come upon you. In fact, it's kind of interesting. The very year that trans- his translation came out, he died. Boom. Kind of interesting. Ooh, that doesn't God knows why, fun. but it's just interesting yeah, to me. No, I mean, it, it's just Because the Lord's incredible. warning his people not to think they're getting raptured before the tribulation, that they're falling away, will have first and Antichrist will come, and then you switch it to mean the total opposite, and he said, don't be deceived by word as from us or, you know, demon. Uh, spirit. Yeah. Spirit, you know. Yeah, so no, that's well, it says Numa, speaking of a demon there in that context. and Everybody agrees with that. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't yeah. deceive, you know. And it's interesting that that warning, he actually inverts what the very warning says. And that, that very year he's gone. That's that's incredible. And when we look at this, we're hearing these different translations, right? We're seeing how is the word used. But what about another way? How is this word used in other forms of scripture, because a lot of people would say, okay, this is a Greek term, right? It's not Hebrew. So if we're going to look at a translation, we should look probably at the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, put all what, three centuries BC. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been, it was around for a long time, you know, 300 years uh, before Christ, uh, seemingly right around there that the Septuagint was written, and when you look actually at the New Testament, the Septuagint is what is typically quoted. It's what quoted yeah. the most by rather Paul than the Jesus. Hebrew yep. by yeah. Paul and Jesus. So what about the, Septuag- the Septuagint? Do we see this word used in Septuagint? Yeah, so you see this used repeatedly in the Septuagint, and I, I, I could have brought several references, uh, but I know we've got several questions, but so I don't want to bog this down, but uh, Greek scholars you know, acknowledge, the, the lexicons acknowledge that it's used of only of rebellion in the Septuagint, falling away from the Lord, rebellion. Uh, in fact, I'll quote one verse, Second Chronicles 29, 19. Moreover, moreover, it says, all the utensils which King Ahaz had discarded during his reign in his unfaithfulness, he uh, we have prepared and consecrated. And behold, they are before the altar of the Lord. So uh, it's translated, that's the Greek word in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which was around before Jesus was in cart, where God became a man and the person of Christ. Uh, it's it's uh, translated on faithfulness. I, I checked out several different uh, translations. Benton Septuagint translation has uh, in his apostasy. So it translates it just straight over as apostasy. Uh, right here we see 
translated usually unfaithfulness. In most translations, I looked at several uh, translated faithlessness or unfaithfulness. Definitely not speaking of a physical departure or you know some kind of rapture. So Ahaz didn't get raptured. Amen. Amen. Okay. So and, I'm and just making sure. Nobody understood the word apostasy for almost. To, nobody tried to even feign that it looks like it could be the rapture until like almost 1900 years later. No, and I think that's a great word for it, though, when you think about it, because you know that for those who will be with Christ and will be forever be with him, that we'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. In the book of yeah, Revelation, it talks right. about the call, the chosen, and the faithful. So to see the synonym for that, or the antonym, I'm sorry, the antonym for that, to be somebody who's unfaithful, that's what we would want to describe as those who were unfaithful to Christ. Uh, the cowardly yeah. mentioned in Revelation 21.8 specifically who would depart, who would leave the faith and so forth, because their unfaithfulness, they're turning aside from him. That's right. So we got this whole theory, you know, obviously we're seeing in the same books, we have a little bit of cognitive dissonance going on, 11 pages, one from another. We're seeing that this argument is used that is, you know, given the word probably even to try to formulate it. And we're like, okay, well, when on earth did this even start being a popular argument? Because I'll be honest with you, for most people that I've debated with online or even in person or so forth, most people I talk to, they don't bring up this argument because I think they understand the weakness yeah. of it. Yeah. So where on earth and when did people start using this argument that apostasia is really the rapture, it's not a falling away? Yeah, uh, the, when we, the first time you see it actually appear isn't until about 1900. I mean, you see in 1895 uh, by a guy by the name of Alan Maybe, kind of interesting last name for this. Uh, and Richard R. Ryder in his uh, his book, uh, The Rapture: Three Views, uh, he he goes through the the history of the rapture. He doesn't take one of the doesn't present one of the views, but as the editor, he he, he you know shows different views. And and he writes that it started with Maybe in uh, 1895. Not that it maybe started, but by a guy named Maybe. Uh, and he writes this, then he says this, because it also, then in the next century, it began to get popularized by a couple other guys. This new interpretation of 2 Thessalonians 2.3 found resurgence in the 20th century among pre-trib leaders such as E. Schuller English and Alan A. McRae, okay? And, oh, by the way, the other guy's J. Maybe, okay? I was confusing with Alan, Alan McRae. Just says, maybe. Yeah, you're right. E. Schuller English and Alan A. McRae. Uh, the uh the titles of both English, uh, both both of the Englishes, he wrote a book called Rethinking the, the, the Rapture, and McRae's New Light on the second chapter of Thessalonians. Notice this new light, you know, that they talk about this new light, the, a lot of the pre-tribbers. Uh, uh, works underscoring the novelty of their views and pronounced the new twist on the word. So it started with one guy named Maybe in 1995, and then English and McRae, they began to make it popular and Claim they had new light on Second Thessalonians two, new light because nobody understood the word apostasy to be rapture before, right? Uh, rapture of the church. But it's interesting. Even Schuller, who makes it popular in the 20th century, uh, he writes, "quote He admits, quote The noun apostasy occurs only one other instance in the New Testament. That is in Acts 21:21, where Paul is accused of teaching the Jews to forsake Moses, and this assuredly is related to rebellion against God." He also states this is directly from the noun apostasia. Uh, that we obtain our English word apostasy. Apostasy generally carries, listen to this, apostasy generally carries the meaning of defection, revolt, or rebellion against God. 
These are the primary meanings of the word as found in most lexicons. So if that's the typical meaning of the word, and he can't give you an example where it's used uh, of spatial physical departure anywhere in the, in the patristics of the early church fathers or even in Koine Greek way, anybody. So if he can't do that and you say this is the way it's primarily understood and then Jesus talks about there being a fallen away and the Antichrist will be, and then Christ gathers together and that's what Paul says there'll be a fallen away Antichrist, then Christ gathered us together at the rapture. Why would you try to seek a different meaning for apostasia than it has been understood for centuries? Well, it's because they want to believe in a pre-trib rapture. Now, I think it's interesting, Chad, because uh, when you look at this, he, he he mentions that this is the you know the primary meaning of the word as found in, in, in most lexicons. But I think it's interesting. He goes on to admit, quote, all the occurrences of apostasia in the Septuagint, which we just referenced, have, quote, to do with a departure from God. And that's right. And now, by the way, if since the word uh, uh, apostasia isn't used, isn't used of a, face, a, a physical spatial departure in Koine Greek chat, why, pray tell me, why doesn't Paul use, if he wants to communicate a rapture, why doesn't he use the word episunagoge like he did of the rapture in verse 1? But that would, of course, be a contradiction because considering Christ's coming our, and our being gathered up as soon to him, as soon to to him, that day won't happen until the episunagoge goes first. That wouldn't work. It would be a contradiction because that word apostasy doesn't mean to be raptured. Why didn't Paul use the word harpazo, which he used in 1 Thessalonians 4? Why does he use a word that nobody understood to be a reference to the rapture? Unless you claim there's a secret doctrine going on and it's not going to be revealed until later that Paul had a secret meaning that would be unveiled later because no one would understand it that way until centuries later they'd use it a physical departure as well. It's just all quite sad, uh, quite ridiculous. No, and so we have this clear understanding that this is a late doctrine. I mean, this is 1,900 years, you know. And so when we look back, though, are we seeing that this terminology is used in the early church fathers, specifically the pre-Nicene, the ones before 325? When we look at those patristic fathers, do we see that they use this terminology for apostasia as the rapture. Yeah, the pre-Nicene, the uh, anti-Nicenes, uh, the patristics, the early church fathers, they actually used 2 Thessalonians 2.3 as a reference to the fallen away of the apostasy. They didn't understand it as a, a pre-trib rapture. In fact, they used it and they warned about the fallen away and coming to the time of Antichrist and how the church would be put to flight and persecuted by the Antichrist. In fact, they even called uh, you know, the Antichrist the man of apostasy. They put the fallen away, the Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. They would actually call him, they put that verb, that the words apostasia with the Antichrist as though he's coming and going to cause this great falling away. In fact, listen to Justin Martyr, uh, two of our favorite, probably if I asked you, Chad, your two favorite early church fathers, uh, you'd probably pick the same two guys I would pick. You'd pick Justin Mar yeah, Martyr and Irenaeus. My son's name is Justice Irenaeus yeah, for those two guys. Right. So my second son. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> So Justin Martyr, in his Dialogue with Trifle of the Jew, writes this. Listen, uh, this is his Dialogue with Trifle of the Jew in the second century, just not long after the Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. Understanding not what has been proved by all these passages, that two advents of Christ have been announced. Uh, two, by the way, not three. Not the first coming, a pre-trib rapture coming, and then the second coming. Just two, and that's all they understand. That's what we understand the Scriptures teach. Uh, not one, or it says, uh, two have been announced, he says. The one in which... He is set forth as suffering and glorious, dishonored, right, and crucified. But the other in which he shall come from heaven with glory when the man of apostasy 
causing the Antichrist the matter of apostasy, who speaks strange things against the Most High, shall venture to do unlawful deeds on the earth against us, the Christians. So Thomas Heiss would, Heiss would have to say centuries later, I'm sorry, Justin, you're, you're misunderstanding Paul, what he's saying there. You're calling the Antichrist the matter of apostasy and, and saying that us, the church is going to be afflicted by him. You're misunderstanding that apostasy is, comes before uh, the Antichrist, and that's the rapture, and you just got it all backwards, and you're using the word apostasy the wrong way. And no. That's exactly, and listen to what Irenaeus says. Irenaeus writes in the second century again, and against heresies, quote, that he, being apostate, speaking of the Antichrist, being apostate and a robber is anxious to be adored by God. Uh, adored, I'm sorry, to be adored by God, and although a mere slave, he wishes himself to be proclaimed as a king. Okay, it should be by a God, or as a God. Uh, For he, being endued with the power of the devil, shall come, not as a righteous king in subjection to God, but as the lawless one, concentrating himself in all satanic apostasy. Okay, it's interesting. And setting aside all idols, because he's referencing that in 2 Thessalonians, the apostasy comes first, that I Christ will set himself above all that's called God or worship as God. So he's tying the word apostasy into falling away, and Satan, not us, you know? He speaks of the second epistle of Thessalonians. That's what he writes. Thus speaks in the second epistle to the Thessalonians, unless there shall come a fallen away first, and the man of sin shall be revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits in the temple of God, show himself that he were God. The apostle therefore clearly points out this or his apostasy, and that he is lifted up above all that is called God. I mean, and again, we have Irenaeus, like Justin Martyr, talking about he's going to come after us, the church. So the early church fathers were only post-trib, but they understood the word apostasia, reference to be a reference to the fallen away, and we applied it to the Antichrist, along with Second Thessalonians chapter two, three, and four. I mean, it's it's really clear. I mean, you just don't have church history on your side at all on this one. But when it comes to maybe guys in their own camp, you well, know, before we go to those, yeah, because yeah. I, sh- I should have mentioned this. It's my fault here. Uh, Robert Gundry, uh, he wrote the Church of the Tribulation. Yeah, uh, he wrote first the Antichrist. Some really good books. Warning about, uh, uh, you know, uh, the coming tribulation a period. Greek scholar. Yeah. yeah, a Greek scholar out of Westmont Bible College there in Santa Barbara, not far from us. He's been retired for some time. But uh, he, he does a whole thing on this Greek word. And he writes, quote, Our remaining primary source, the koine, koine, because that's what the New Testament is written in koine Greek, as given by M.M., offers several examples of political rebellion and religious apostasy, but not one example. Okay, he's talking about... Uh, uh, Milligan there and Morris, he says, but not one example of simple spatial departure. Never used of a physical spatial departure like a rapture. The Greek words never used that way, of just face, spatial physical departure at all. No wonder then, he says, that the New Testament lexicons, Greek dictionaries and so forth, uniformly give the special senses of religious apostasy and political rebellion. The B-A-G, Kittle, if you have Greek lexicons, you'll appreciate some of these, uh, Kramer, Abbott Smith, Thayer, I have some of these myself, and others. No wonder also that scholarly commentaries on 2 Thessalonians interpret apostasia as bearing this meaning. Alfred, Ellicott, Moffat, F.F. Bruce, Frame, Milligan, Morris, and others. Uh, now it's interesting, Dallas Theological Seminary, Wayne House, the book that Thomas Heiss appealed to, to say, well, he found, he found one example, you know, uh, which he doesn't give. Uh, admits, it doesn't give in the patristics, you know, the uh, Koinonia, uh, Koinonia Greek. Uh, he admits of Gundry's work. Listen to what House says. 
Certainly this reference to notable authorities is both is both uh, prima facie persuasive and formidable. This argument is the most compelling to me since I wonder how the major lexica uh, and scholars studying this passage could be in such harmony on this meaning of the word apostasia and yet be an error regarding 2 Thessalonians 2.3. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. No, and and these things are important for us to really dig into and understand. And it, it's important because when we're talking uh, about the rapture, so many people are like, oh, it's just such a secondary issue. And we're, we would never want to just point something out as secondary, therefore not important, especially when we are talking about a literal place, a literal text that is stating and talking about this great falling away, this great rebellion, right, this apostasy, and it's like, instead of this being a travesty, a heartbreaking thing, it now becomes this glorious return yeah. of Jesus Christ, our blessed hope. That's right. And so that is really, really sad. And hopefully, as you're as you're listening to this, when you're hearing, it's if you want to go appeal to ecclesiology, right, the church history, it's just not there, right? If you want to go look at the context, it's just not there. If you want to go look at the Greek terminology, it's not there in the New Testament, nor is it there in writings outside of it anywhere near the time frame that this That's was right. written. So it's important for us to recognize the importance of what's being talked about here. And so when it comes to this argument being used, this text being used to seemingly say the precise opposite that it's actually being stated in the text, yeah. what about pre-tribbers themselves? The guys who actually do hold to a pre-trib rapture doctrine, hold to it and say, I'm not seeing this in the text either. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of pre-tribs they'll look at the text at Second Thessalonians two three, and they know the arguments that some of the other pre-tribbers want to use, and they won't they won't go for it. They'll say, "No, nah, you know whether it's their conscience or they think they would lack integrity to do that or what have you." Uh, in fact, Dallas theological president for many years, he was called the dean of pre-tribulations. He was a top pre-tribber before you might have maybe Thomas Lyce got that mantle. Some probably would debate that, uh, but John Walver, uh, Dallas theological seminary. There's more pastors have come out preaching the pre-trib rapture from that seminary probably than anywhere else, uh, he admits, uh, and he wrote a book called The Rapture Question. He wrote about the rapture. That's why he's considered the dean of pre-tribulationism. Uh, he says of the word apostasia, quote, the evidence against his translation is impressive, meaning the translation that it refers to like a, a pre-trib rapture. And, quote, in this instance, pre-tribulationists can agree with post-tribulationists without agreeing with their conclusions on the passage as a whole. So we're not going to agree with the Second Thessalonians conclusions that the Posters have, but we're going to have to agree with them, you know, that, yeah, it's not referring, the apostasy doesn't refer to the rapture. Dr. Paul Feinberg, another top-leading pre-trib scholar, admits, quote, none of the uses of the noun, apostasia, in either testament, speaking of the Septuagint and the New Testament, indicate a physical departure of any sort. The point can be made even more strongly, he says, if one searches for the uses of the noun apostasia. Now, this is Feinberg. Look, this is not us. This is the pre-trib scholar, one of the most uh, renowned pre-trib scholars. He says, if one searches for the uses of the noun apostasy in the 355 occurrences over the 300-year period between the 2nd century B.C. and the 2nd century A.D., one will not find a single instance where this word refers to a physical departure. Not, not even just speaking of religious writings, just period for a 300-plus-year period. The use outside of biblical Greek are exactly parable. Listen to this. The uses outside of biblical Greek are exactly parable or, or exactly parallel to those in it. 
So, I mean, this is a pre-trip scholar, and I, I appreciate such a breath of fresh air, you know. Thank you, Mr. Feinberg, saying, man, hundreds of years, you can look, Koine Greek, man, it's not used anywhere, of physical spatial departure, yet I'm supposed to think that Paul, by the way, I think this point should be made, the, the Paul and Jesus, he referenced Chad, the apostles and so forth, they read the Septuagint. They were very, very cognitive of how the word apostasia was used, not only in their culture, but how it was used in the Septuagint. And for Paul to say the apostasy would come first, he obviously would mean the falling away. He wouldn't have an idea of a preacher rapture, especially when it would be nonsense to say concerning Christ's coming and our being raptured to him, that day won't happen until that rapture comes first. Just ridiculous on its face. You can just, you, you can just if you're like, man, there's a lot of information here, listen to it again, man. Absorb it. Write some things down. It'll be easy to remember. But also just go to 2 Thessalonians 2, read the first four verses, and it's very clear that it would be a contradiction. Concerning Christ's coming, are we gathered together in the rapture? That won't happen until the rapture happens first. It's ridiculous. Chad won't get here today until Chad gets here first. It doesn't make any sense at all. So uh, Feinberg also states, in When the Trumpet Sounds, page 311, quote, however, it does seem that given what we presently know, there is no reason to understand Paul's views of apostasia as a reference to the rapture. John MacArthur states, Paul's referring to the very act 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, where he uses apostasia. Paul is referring to the very act of the ultimate apostasy, which reveals the final Antichrist and sets the course of events uh, that usher in the day of the Lord, end quote. Now, I'm quoting him as a reference. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, everything John, you know, disagree with what he said about, you know, if Christians take, or if people take the mark of the beast, they can repent later, stuff like that. But I'm showing you what these pre-trib teachers, scholars, and leaders have taught. So this is all very, very compelling evidence, you know. If we had a, if we're sitting here and there's, you know, judges unbiased here, they'd be like, there's no way they get your 10,000 bucks. Yeah, no, no, it's true. And the offer's not there anymore. We get it for years because we're going to move on to other things, but there's <laughs> yeah. no way they would have got it. No, it, it's so true. And and when you look at these things and you're seeing it from their people in their own camp that are just being honest with the text there, you just not, you're just not getting it there. And I, and I think this is a great time to more transition a little bit because hopefully we've made a, a pretty damning case in terms of somebody trying to use this. But when we look at this, we have to talk about the practical nature of taking this warning and turning it into the glorious return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so with all of that, do you see this as a danger that a real warning is actually being overlooked here? Yeah, I certainly do. Uh, when I look at the warnings not to add or take away to Scripture, and we've been telling people this for years, that you don't read in the text what's not there. And especially when there are warnings that are breathed by the Holy Spirit of God, uh, where there's, you know, this, the, when we're talking about the Bible, God's Word itself, which is from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation, when you look at those warnings you see in, in Deuteronomy and in Proverbs not to add or take away to His Word, Revelation not to add or take away to His Word, or the plagues that are in this book will be added to you, or your, your part will be taken out of the heavenly city. These are such severe warnings. So then when you start adding into, like we did, I mentioned he died the years his translation came out, is... Uh, he has in, I have this translation, by the way, uh, before me. He writes, quote, Do not begin to allow anyone to lead you astray in any way, because that day, and we know the context was, our being gathered to Christ, the rapture, shall not come except the aforementioned departure of the church to heaven comes first, and the man of lawlessness is disclosed in his true identity, the son of perdition. Now, it's interesting to me here because he wants to translate departure, but he wants to, and a lot of preachers say, well, departure could have meant a departure to heaven, but we've already shown the Greek word. You have to look at the Greek. Never means a departure to heaven. 
in, in, the, in the Koine Greek, you know? Uh, so, uh, but the word departure itself, which come, brings us to the practical nature of the problem here, we're warned about a spiritual departure in apostasia. And Paul uses, and take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart, or the author of Hebrews, I should say, take, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He's not talking about a rapture there, right? For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. 1 Timothy 4.1, the ESV. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times. Later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now, let's tie this all together because this is where, to me, it's the most ironic. When he says, concerning Christ's coming and our being gathered together to him, that is the rapture, obviously. Uh, he says, you know, see to it that you're not deceived by any means. He says things like, see to it that you're not shaken in mind. That Greek word shaken is from the word seismos, from which we get the word seismic. And it has to do with like having a, just an earthquake in the mind. I mean, having your brain rattled, uh, being thrown off and being in confusion. He doesn't want them to be confused because some of them came to believe that they weren't going to have to face the Antichrist and that the rapture had already happened or was about to happen any moment. Most exegetes will point that out. And then guess what? Concerning Christ coming to be gathered together, don't let anybody deceive you by any means, he says as well. And he says, by letter or word, spirit or word as from us, right? A demon, a, a spirit, pneuma. What would a pneuma, we're not supposed to be deceived by these spirits and departing from the living God. What would they be teaching? He says, don't be deceived. It won't happen until the fallen away happens first and the man of sin is revealed. The Antichrist, the lawless one, says the temple of God shows himself that he is God. So he gave the same order that Jesus gave, fallen away and Antichrist, and then Christ coming to gather his elect from the four winds, same thing that Jesus taught. So now we're being taught by many people that there's not really an apostasy that comes first. It's the rapture that comes first. And many people are looking at what's apostate all out there, and they're looking at this verse and say, oh, well, you know, the rapture is going to happen any time, and they're thinking this is a revival. And when actually a lot of what we're seeing out there is an apostasy with what's going on at, at, at Bethel and Hillsong and elsewhere and false miracles and so forth. And praise God, some pre-tribs, a lot of pre-tribs, have been done really good at pointing out other apostasy in the church. But they don't realize that Paul is warning about apostasy, which will be a lot of false teaching in the meantime, they're allowing some of them, not all pre-trips, thank God, are smuggling a meaning that's not intended by Paul to teach that the rapture up first. And practically, what's that going to lead to? If I'm pre-trib, and I'll just say, I'll say, not me, I'll just say, I've. if you watch our video debate uh, with J Doug Stoffer, the, uh, the great rapture debate, I think it was titled, that we did in Colorado, the very last question, go to the third part if you don't want to watch the whole thing, third, the last part, third or fourth part, uh, one of the questions asked, why does this really matter? What does it matter? The pre or post, and Dr. Stoffer gave his views, and I gave mine as well. And I encourage you to watch that because I give several reasons, practical reasons to believe the pre-trib rapture can be incredibly dangerous. And just a few of those are, first of all, I point out that Tim LaHaye said, if the pre-trib rapture doesn't happen, you know, the, the, we, it's not the blessed hope anymore, it's the blasted hope, meaning we lose all hope. The last thing you want is going in the tribulation period and, and, and feel like God lied to you and you have no hope because uh, the Bible says when the tribulation starts, Jesus talks about when the tribulation starts, they hand you, they'll be hated by, be hated by all nations because of my name. They'll, they'll, they'll hand you over, they'll kill you, be tribulation, all that. When that happens, Jesus doesn't say there's this big rapture right at the beginning. He doesn't put that anyway. In fact, it's a non-event. If the preacher rapture happens, who's there to hate because the name of Christ? doesn't fit Matthew 24 at all, does it? We think it through. But we're hated, and at that time, many fall away. Why do they fall away? Many will fall away, I believe, because they've been taught that God is so loving and so good that he'd never let you face tribulation like that. 
and he's going to rapture you first and so forth. And, you know, there's pictures they use, like at Dan Markell's Prophecy Conference, one of the teachers put out a picture of Farrah Fawcett because she played an abused wife. And, and, they, and he says, God would never let us go through the tribulation. He never let this happen to his bride. And I was all this clapping, yeah, we're going to get out of it. So guess what? God's painted as a wife abuser if he don't get raptured first. So guess what? You go into the tribulation, instead of looking up, like Jesus said, when he, instead of bringing greater hope, because Jesus said, we see these things begin to come to pass, Luke 21, referring to the tribulation events, lift up for your head, lift up your heads for your redemption is drawing nigh to have greater hope. He's saying it's a blasted hope. And at that time, many pre-tribs, because and I've, I quoted one after another, and you can, I don't have time to get into it all, but I quoted one after another in that debate of pre-trib, not only just leaders like Tim LaHaye, but I quoted just all kinds of pre-tribbers. God would be evil if we go through this. I would hate him if he did this. And da, da, da. I thought, wow, the, the skids are being greased, man. The church is being fattened up for the slaughter. This is what I call recipe for apostasy because the church is being taught a few different things right now. They're being taught that we won't go through that time. And if you did go through that time, you could take the mark of the beast, okay? And, and if you fall away, you'll still have your salvation. These things are feeding the lie that create, I believe, the great apostasy, along with false signs and wonders, a lot of other things we've exposed all the time. So that's the main thing. And by the way, this can't be the Antichrist. This can't be the mark of the beast because I'm a Christian. I'm still on earth. The rapture hasn't happened yet. And the rapture will happen first because the apostasy will come first. And that's the rapture, not the falling away. I mean, we can go on and on, Chad, but this is absolutely chilling. There's a really good book, and I have to, I have to give a quote from this book because I think it's a really good book on the subject that I'd recommend. And this is by a guy by the name of uh, Seth M. Knorr. And it's called Apostasia, Rapture or Rebellion. And I've read a lot of different things on this subject. And uh, this is probably the best thing. Not probably. This is hands down the best thing I've read because it's the most in-depth. And he does a really, really good job. So Seth M. Knorr writes this book, K-N-O-O-R, Apostasia, colon, Rapture or Rebellion. And in his conclusion, he says a lot of good things. But he writes this at the beginning of his conclusion, quote, in conclusion, in my research, I found no Christian before the 19th century who believed that apostasy was a reference to a spatial departure. All Christians who write on the topic previous to the 19th century universally believed the apostasia referred to a rebellion or apostasy. And he's the one that he goes on to reference not adding or taking away from God's word and so forth. And, and then he gets a little polemical, which I was glad to see because he's very scholarly through the book. And I praise God because he sees the urgency of it. And we all ought to see the urgency of it. And as Chad said, that uh, we say this not because, not because, because it's not just a secondary issue that doesn't matter. It matters. And we need to emphasize God's truth, especially when error is being corrected. And then they correct the error that's been corrected and correct Paul. And said, really what he meant to say here, and we're just misunderstanding him, is it's a rapture, not a falling away. No, and I think this is a great time to, and we'll finish up with this with this sort of question because it's important for us to know what happens when we see things come in, come into the church, and this is something usually we deal with in charismatic movements, and so somebody gets a new word, or they might have new wine, so to speak, right? That they they have this new wine, they have this new teaching, they have this new light, and it's this progressive revelation now that they're getting more light in the end times because information's moving faster, as the, as the prophecy says, and so forth. So when they see this, they're saying, hey, now we have this new teaching, and there's this new understanding of Paul. There's this new understanding. So when we see these new teachings coming out that we haven't found in church history, what are we to do, and how are we supposed to combat those? See, the scriptures warn about private interpretations, you know? And this started as a private interpretation by a guy named Maybe. 
and then uh, picked up by Schuller and, and McRae early, later in the, 20, in the 20th century. And, uh, and it's really chilling, Chad, because uh, to quote John Wesley, I believe it was Wesley, who said, if it's true, if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's new, it's not true. <laughs> if it's true, it's not new. So when you have new teachings about that, especially when they contradict what the church has held to you for 2,000 years, it's really dangerous. And, I, I, you know, we do believe if someone has a dip, believes in a different Jesus and they don't believe he died for our sins and that he is atoned for the sins of the world, we, that's, a, that's what we call damnable heresy. We believe somebody could have taught, the, believed in the preacher rapture. Of course, they, they, they go to a church, they inherit their theology, they say, oh yeah, it sounds good, they only see a few verses. It doesn't mean they've lost their salvation believing in a preacher rapture. It's what we call flammable heresy. Uh, you can believe it, but it can become flammable, meaning it can lead to your destruction. And that is because if you wrongly apply, and all of a sudden you're believing something wrong about the second coming, which is a huge issue, by the way. Second coming is a very important issue in the Bible, and you believe the very opposite of what Paul warns there, and it can set you up for destruction. Like, oh, that can't be the Antichrist because I've been raptured yet, or I can't believe God didn't rapture me. He lied. How can I trust the rest of the book? I'm going to believe, I'm going to, I'm going to now just enter into this, this what we account for revival. Very, very serious. So I think we need, the Bible says, test everything, hold fast that which good. The Bible says, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. The scriptures say, you know, I'll test everything, test uh, spirits, it says, see where they're from God. When you look, watch our, our video expose, Let Power Let Astray, we show actually the origins of the secret aspect of the preacher rapture. So right before John Darby picked it up, and he was actually watching the lady that had prophesied that, she claimed to be led by the Holy Spirit, but she prophesied the false. She claimed to have new light. She prophesied the wrong guy as the Antichrist and so forth. And she was part of the Irvingite revival, which went in all kinds of spooky, weird stuff. And it was Edward Irving and the Irvingites who were getting all these new revelations that started teaching this, the, the pre-trib rapture, not her specifically, shut the secret aspect. We go through that, man. And then John Darby picked it up. And he subscribed to the morning watch by the Irvingites, who are a very charismatic wild group with all these false prophecies. And I quote a couple people from that movement that said we were receiving all kinds of false revelations about the second coming of Christ that were from Satan leading people astray. You need to check that video out called Left Heart Astray. Uh, several people I've seen have just been like, wow. Uh, we, we go through a lot there. We've said a lot now, but I hope you've, your cup overflows with truth. Yeah, Joe, that sounds like a lot of strange fire for someone who would believe a preacher rapture. <laughs> That's but right. Amen. nonetheless, <laughs> you know, we want to also let you guys know before we say goodbye to a few resources that we do have on the subject. So you can actually go to our Blessed Hope Chapel YouTube channel. Make sure it's the Blessed Hope Chapel See Me one. And when you do, we actually have all of the Book Revelation series, not all of them, but over a hundred teachings on the Book of Revelation that people have been going through that have helped out a number of people. And on this site itself, we have the pre-trib rapture deception, the great pre-trib rapture deception. You can see that video on here, as well as the great pre-trib rapture debate that we have, the great rapture debate that we have on this channel. And as Joe mentioned, you can go to Left Behind or Led Astray. You can check out the trailer for that video right here on our channel. And also you can get that resource at goodfight.org. Just go to the resource pages there. But we want to welcome you to that. And thank you guys so much for joining us. We also will be continuing to answer different pre-trig arguments throughout our time here together. Whenever we do shows, a lot of different shows will come up. So if you think you have a really good argument that you say, hey, I, this is what I've been seeing, or maybe you're saying, hey, I'm post-trib, but somebody said this to me and I don't really have an answer for it, we would love to help out and give the best answer we can possible. Amen. So send those in to us at contact at goodfight.org. We'd love to go through them and be able to sit down and hopefully have this chat just like this where we have stomped out 
the false teaching uh, of the apostasia being the rapture rather than the great falling away. So, Amen. God brother. bless you guys. Love you guys. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.